Welcome back to Rubrics, a podcast from St. Timothy's, and we have uh, taken the suggestions. Thank you for those who voted on which camera angles and, and gave us suggestions. Um, I still have a little bit of paint on my fingers from painting the wall, but we have a new setup, um, and I think it looks a lot better, um, and it sounds better, and you know, a couple cheap Amazon purchases can can go a long way nowadays. Um, so we're back with a with a new setup, and we've got. Um, uh, a heavy topic today. We'll talk about um, forgiveness, the the gospel from this past Sunday, and you know, dip our toes into into a couple other things um, that have come up this week. Um, it is a, a a busy liturgical week. Lots of, of feasts today, um, and the big one is tomorrow with the feast of Saint Matthew the Apostle. Um, but all sorts of of things to get into when we talk about. Um, forgiveness before we jump into that do a weekly check-in how's your week going so far so good so far so good you are going up to roanoke this week yeah i'm right? seeing for, seeing the, the eldest for the first time since first we dropped time. her off that's um, exciting yeah we're excited and the whole family's going whole family's going and um we'll go up on saturday and spend the day and come back so um yeah, it's been good it's been really good i was looking up the uh leaf forecast um and you know, oh, because you're hiking. Up. That's right. Well, you're yeah. Yeah, and and you know, we'll, the young adults are hiking this Saturday. We'll, we'll, it's not quite there yet. We we've you know we're a little too early. Um, but every year I try to look just to plan some some day trips or hikes with with Chloe and stuff. Um, and Roanoke was you know mentioned um, as kind of one of the places that they chart, I guess, because there's a lot of greenery around there and it's in a in a good location. So um, you'll have to have Abby send you some pictures when the leaves start changing because. That is one of the best things about North Carolina and Virginia and West Virginia is uh, the wonderful colors. Well, you know, speaking of the colors, today's an Ember Day. It is, and Ember Days are seasonal. We have we have four sets of them. So Holy is Cross it this week. Yeah, it's the Wednesday, uh, Thursday, and Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday after Holy Cross. After Holy Cross. Yeah. So I don't have to do my bishop's lecture. You don't. Anymore. So <laughs> Ember Days are, are done after Holy Cross. After St. Lucy's Day in December, after the first Sunday in Lent, and That's then right. after... Um, I was thinking before for some yeah. reason. So. Yeah. Yep. Uh, when I was, you know, in the ordination process, I would be writing my, bishops a, a, my bishop a, a letter, kind of updating him on my spiritual life and, and some of the things. Um, and I'm not doing that anymore, but the Ember Days, you know, are still when we pray for those people in the ordination process and, um, you know, all, all clergy. And, and then, broadly speaking, for ministry in right, general and for right. people to find their ministry. Yeah. And, and every baptized member mm-hmm. of the body of Christ is a minister. Mm-hmm. We, have to be, we have to be more diligent in not only equating ministry with professional ordained Correct. ministry. Correct. Um, that is, the, the priesthood, the diaconate, is a specialized form of ministry, yeah. but it's not the totality of ministry yeah. at all. We all, we, um, if you're a physician, if you are a teacher, if you mm-hmm. are uh, a farmer, that is a ministry yeah. uh, completely. And, and we would do well to always speak of that. So we pray, you know, the Ember Days are, are traditional times of ordination, mm-hmm. so we do, we do think about that. And um, as you were mentioning, the traditional practice among those in the ordination process is you write your bishop with yeah. a summary of, of your life, of mm-hmm. your studies, of your prayer, uh, to check in with the bishop. Yeah. And um, But we, we uh, Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday of this week are, are, are Ember Days. Um, it's a good reminder that today's saint, John um, Coolridge Pattison, was a bishop, but he was you know a fervent missionary, learned 23 languages so that he could um, evangelize better. And one of the things I preached about is if we are at the daily mass today, is if we are convinced that the gospel is actually good news for every person and the best thing you can receive, and if we actually love our neighbor, the only logical next step is evangelism. Um, and it's something we are all called to do, whether we you know have an office job or whether we travel the world, and it's easy to literally go to all the corners of the earth, but it's something that we're all called to do, is to share that good news with people. Um, in the same way that we would a recipe we found that we absolutely love and think other people will find happiness and joy with. Really good saints this week. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, doing, um, I'm doing the Mass Friday, 
That's right, Friday. Mm-hmm. And uh, but Saturday, you get to do Padre Pio. Yeah, Padre Pio is he's gotten um, famous now because of Shia LaBeouf. Yeah, I, I've always I've always been fascinated with Padre Pio, mm-hmm. and um, I remember having lunch with Bishop Michael Curry. We pray for him as well as he's undergoing surgery. Yeah, and uh, I mentioned Padre Pio, and he, he didn't he didn't know who he was, which surprised oh, me wow. really. Um, Padre Pio uh, is worth a Google. He, is. he died in yeah. 1968. And um, I mentioned he died in 1968. He's a, he's a very recent. Recent. So 1968 is within the lifetime of many of the people who are listening to this podcast. Yeah. And you can test, you can, you know, give witness to the fact that that's during the age of modern medicine. Correct. So Padre Pio is um, an Italian, what well, was an Italian um, uh, Franciscan. I'll who, throw a picture up. Yeah, who, who had the stigmata. Stigmata yeah. meaning the, the wounds of, of Jesus Christ. So there's an image of Padre yeah. Pio, and you see on his hand the stigmata. So he had uh, medical examinations yeah. from, I say real doctors, but I mean doctors. I mean, in, people in, who were trained in modern in medicine. In modern medicine yeah. and the modern skepticism and, and mm-hmm. all that. And, and the, do you know who the first stigma, stigmatic, stigmatic was? Oh, gosh. Um, I don't. There are four. I mean, there, there, there are. So the stigmata is interesting. This is not mm-hmm. the topic of the podcast, but it's really interesting because it really is a Western church phenomenon yeah. only. There are no Eastern Eastern um, stigmatics. But St. Francis was the first. That's right. St. Francis. Right. And the other big one, um, because his intellect, though, was so, is so large that this part of his life is often overlooked, St. Thomas Aquinas. Yeah, that's right. And then... And, on some of them, it was not visible. Is that, is, am I remembering that correctly? Or it was not on the hands, maybe? It was they, they, they're, they're not always manifest. Um, the same exact, like, like Padre yeah. Pio. Well, in Padre Pio, I don't think, in that picture, nothing on his head. Um, you know, certainly his hands, I think his side, maybe his feet, I don't remember. But the other yeah. one I think of is uh, St. Catherine of Siena. That's right. Uh, female is also uh, stigmatic mm-hmm. and just really, really fascinating. I mean... Um, don't know what to make of it a lot of times. Mm-hmm. And it's easy to look back in the time of Francis and Thomas Aquinas yeah. and say sort of medieval superstition. Yeah. 1968 no, is just really kind of throws uh, the whole thing up in the air. It's really, yeah, really there's fascinating. There's all sorts of interesting yeah. stories about him and, and how he acted in the um, in the confessional booth and people would, would flock to him because he was you know, known to be very, very blunt, um, but very sincere in, but in what's, his pastoral care. The, one of the more moving things about Padre Pio, which I think goes along with the general theme of forgiveness today, um, and the other, the other saint that we'll talk about is St. Theodore of Tarsus or St. Theodore yep. of Canterbury, is you know, Padre Pio had this great spiritual gift and was, was really persecuted by yeah. by his bishop and, yeah. the, and the authorities, and was not allowed. I don't remember how long. I mean, so so the other saint on Monday that you got to celebrate was um, E. B. Pusey, mm-hmm. who um, so l- l- for let me, preaching. Yeah, for two l- years. let me finish. Let me finish the line about Padre Pio was was denied. We said there's a lot of good saints this week. Yeah, we he, kidding. he was denied um, the ability to say mass publicly yeah. because they thought he was becoming a spectacle. Yeah, and people were people flocking. Were flocking to him, I mean, yeah. imagine people flocking to mass. I mean, I understand you don't you want people to flock to mass for the for the right. body and blood of our Lord, but uh, but they they really, I think, were jealous of Padre yep. Pio at the end of the day. E.B. Pusey, great luminary in the, in the um, Catholic mm-hmm. movement in the Church of England, wrote um, this wonderful sermon that, that I'm sure would not raise any eyebrows today called the Holy Eucharist, a comfort to the Yeah, to that's the what penitent. I preached on, and I read through it, and, you know, it's fairly, fairly tame at this point. Fairly, yes. Was barred from preaching in the Diocese of uh, Oxford, but then he um, he took that a step further and said, if I can't preach in the Diocese of Oxford, I'm not going to preach anywhere. Mm-hmm. So he silenced his yeah. pulpit voice for two years. Yeah, endured patiently. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I don't think he was doing it to... Um, to be passive aggressive, no, I, I was trying to be obedient. Correct, yeah. fully obedient, but a lot of suffering and um, a lot of spiritual suffering, um, and uh, within the church itself. I mean, oftentimes we think mm-hmm. about persecution of being in non-Christian lands and yeah. identifying ourselves as Christians and having mm-hmm. attacks, but but oftentimes there is um, a, a kind of a soft uh, persecution or professional persecution. Right. We see this uh, with with certainly the two saints today. Yeah, I mean this week. 
Let me open us in prayer, and then we can dive into forgiveness. Today, as I said, John Coleridge Pattison, um, a, a bishop and missionary to Melanesia and a martyr. So we will open with his collect. Let us pray. Almighty God, who didst call thy faithful servants, John Coleridge Pattison and his companions, to be witnesses and martyrs in the islands of Melanesia, and by their labors and sufferings didst raise up a people for thine own possession, Pour forth thy Holy Spirit upon thy church in every land, that by the service and sacrifice of many, thy holy name may be glorified in thy kingdom enlarged. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee in the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. What's the story on him? He was a cricket player? Oh, I don't know I what think, he was before. I think, I, think he was, I think at Oxford he was a very good cricket player. Yeah, I mean, he, and an athlete. But then spoke is, like 30 languages. He learned 23 languages yeah. so that he could evangelize better. But his death was um, was really interesting because... It was controversy, right? It, was, well, it wasn't thought to be... We're still not entirely yeah. sure what happened. And I think he's a wonderful example of the dangers of especially cross-culture missionary work. So he... He responded to this call to go to these islands of Melanesia, clearly loved the people, learned 23 languages so that he could better interact with them. At the same time that he was visiting these islands, um, they were called blackbirders, basically pirates, were um, going and island hopping and enslaving the young boys. They would come on and they would, you know, tell them they have something, food or whatever, then they would just take them away in ships to be carted off for slavery, which was technically, you know, illegal at the time, um, always immoral. And, um, you know, John Coleridge Pattison worked with local colonial governments to try to squander that, to try to protect these these islands. And what they think happened is that he showed up on an island one day and he was mistaken for one of these blackbirders. Um, and that's that's why he was he was killed. Um, you know, now nowadays, I think the most recent, you know, investigations say it could have been that it could have been that you know some of the people um, did not like his, um, you know, willingness to basically talk to the women and children um, and not just the men, and so they thought he was threatening their kind of social structures. Whatever the case is, he was killed while he was you know evangelizing, um, and I think he's a real example of the dangers of evangelization cross cultures. I mean, there's all these nuances, um, but at the end of the day, he was doing it because he loved people and because he was actually convinced that Jesus Christ is the greatest gift yeah. anybody could ever receive. I read, I read that um, he would swim to the islands yeah. with a top hat. Now, picture this. So he was an athlete, so a good swimmer. Yeah. But he would swim with a top hat with gifts in the top ah, hat. That's cool. So when he would come on shore, he's like, I come in peace, mm-hmm. and and I come. Yeah, I, I don't come, come with a ship, and all. And I come work. bearing gifts. Yeah. Now I, I don't think he was doing it to buy the people off. It was just simply saying, just. I think he was very cognizant that there were pirates, and he needed to make sure. Yeah. You know, I, I'm not trying to take you. Correct. Um, but yeah, he, he's a great saint and a good model for, you know, evangelization and the need for it today. Um, moving on to our our you know big topic. This past Sunday was the parable of the unforgiving servant, um, and I preached on forgiveness, I mean, broadly speaking, <coughs> and I really focused on the phrase in the, in the Lord's Prayer, you know, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us, and, and kind of took seriously what, what Jesus himself says there and then at the end of the gospel in Matthew 18, that if you... Um, do, do not forgive your brother from your heart. Um, in the gospel, you know, Jesus says, my heavenly father will basically throw you in prison like the unforgiving servant. In the Lord's prayer, it's, you know, your, your sins will not be forgiven. But it is this um, very serious, you know, phrasing in relationship that if we withhold forgiveness, um, we will not receive forgiveness. And I, you know, talked a little bit about why that is and um, how when we withhold forgiveness from other people, we are ourselves not aware of our own need for repentance. I mean, that's kind of the whole point of the 10,000 talents that that servant is forgiven of, this massive debt. And he loses sight of that when he focuses on the smaller debt. Um, And most of the saints, you know, say the 10,000 talents are your own sins. Mm -hmm. And you have to be aware of that. And the second you lose sight of that, well, then you're no longer asking for repentance. And when you're no longer asking for repentance, you know, you are, you're not forgiven from Jesus Christ um, when you are not willing to, you know, receive that. So 
it's, it's clearly taken seriously, and there's all sorts of things you can go into, but we want to talk about it today because there's, there's a lot of nuances with forgiveness. And we were, we were talking about this the other day, that um, it's not an easy black and white topic, especially in today's society. And the Gospels have kind of taken us on this theme of pray for your enemies, you know, forgive uh, no matter what, and um, so on and so forth. But, you know, let's jump into a little bit about uh, what, at its root, does forgiveness do for us? I mean, what do you think, you know, actually changes in our own hearts when we forgive other people? I mean, it's so complex, and this is probably the one topic that everyone has a struggle with and an opinion on yeah. and a question on. Um, and I think that, I mean, I think from the outset, we need to say I mean, a couple of things. One is that forgiveness, giving, showing forgiveness um, is paramount to the Christian life. Yeah. And that is, as you said, why it's in the Lord's Prayer, yeah. the Our Father. I mean, it is, there's no... There's no getting around. It's it. a commandment, mm-hmm. um, and and it is because that that brings us into contact with Jesus Christ, who yeah. came to forgive. Forgive us. Yeah. Um, the other thing that needs to be said is that forgiveness rarely is is mechanical. Mm-hmm. That you can just will it yeah. or flip a switch, yeah. and and then it's done. I mean, I think I think the. Um, I mean, the the way to really understand forgiveness and to be able to 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 live into it is to be aware of our own need for forgiveness, yeah. to receive it openly, and then that changes our whole outlook. And those who have an issue or struggle with forgiveness, now the other, and I'll, I'll finish that thought. But I need to say that listeners may be thinking there are um, there's a spectrum of forgiveness. If you, you and I are driving on the road and you cut me off. You know, fine, I forgive you. Go ahead. Yeah. That's one thing. Yeah. But then you get to the most extreme cases yep. that, that are the ones that typically come to yeah, the, to the, the what convert, about examples. The what about examples where that we, 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 A, have a difficult time even comprehending mm-hmm. that kind of forgiveness, no. or B, if we're honest, don't want to don't forgive want to, yeah. because we want yeah. to hang on to that. Yep. Because I think we equate forgiveness with acquittal. Yep. That if I forgive you, that means that that nothing happened, yeah. or there wasn't. Or that the pain. action was actually okay all along. And that's that's not that's not the case at all. I mean, the the whole point of um, I mean, it's um, in Jesus says I think it's in Matthew's gospel is that if you have a um, you're quoting um, if you have a if you have something against your brother, yeah. this may be from Chronicles actually, but but if you have something against your brother. Go reconcile with your brother, right. and then bring your gift to the altar. Yeah, that, no, that's that's um, I'm pretty sure that's Jesus I think and, yes. and Matthew. Yeah. Wasn't that yeah. our gospel the other recently? Anyway, the point is the theme is in both Old Testament Correct. and New Testament. Correct. Is is the idea is, is that forgiveness and reconciliation isn't a presidential pardon? Right. That you know, no big deal. I mean, there is there is the the understanding that that restitution, if possible, yeah. Is being made, so yeah. that's why you go restore your friend before you then, you then come. That's a good point because, especially in the Old Testament, the way you experience forgiveness of sins is by offering a sacrifice. Correct. And so if Jesus is saying, you can't do that until you forgive. Um, that is, kind of the you know, X Y Z of how that actually works. Well, yeah. why does forgiveness lead to you receiving forgiveness because you can't offer your sacrifice you can't experience that forgiveness of your own sins unless you have first reconciled with your brother so when someone harms us um, when someone sins against us wounds us in whatever way um, I mean that is a real felt yeah. wound yeah. and to offer forgiveness is not to offer a blanket acquittal mm-hmm. as to pretend it, it never happened it is uh, deeper, more powerful, mm-hmm. more more beautiful mm-hmm. than that. the The aim of the Christian is reconciliation between us and God, yeah. and then once we're reconciled to God, then our longing is to be reconciled to one another. Yeah. Because if we're all in Christ, w- w- that desire for unity and wholeness and yeah. restoration is there. Furthermore, to love is to will the good, 
And if there was a wound that, that you have caused because of your own brokenness, if I love you, my desire is for you to be healed. Right. And, 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 and the way for me to assist you in that is to, is to want whatever is, is broken in you specifically mm-hmm. to, to be fixed. To be fixed. And um, so part of what forgiveness is, is to, is to recognize what Jesus Christ has done for us. Mm-hmm. And that overabundance of gratitude and rec- recognition of that ideally flows into, into our relationships. But I think psychologically, you know, there's, a, there's the sort of the, the TikTok meme of, you know, who lives rent-free in your head, yeah. you know, or what lives yeah. rent-free in your head. And I think that all that I've just said, I think, is correct and sound and rooted in church tradition. But I think if you want to access this from a purely kind of, um, you know, practical way Mm -hmm. is that if you hang on to anger and resentment, then the person who has wounded you, you're giving them free rent in your head, in your heart Mm -hmm. and in your soul. To control your emotions, to influence your, you know, actions and passions. Yeah. So what we end up doing is we're allowing them to still exert power over us, Mm -hmm. which means they're still wounding us. So a way to, to, to do our own healing mm-hmm. and to bandage that wound and to let it heal over is to no longer let an individual continue to exert power and influence mm-hmm. over us. And so while they may not have um, offered restitution in a way that, that the yep. Bible expects or whatever the case may be, forgiveness is a way of evicting that obsession mm-hmm. from our minds mm-hmm. and to say that um, I wish things were different, I wish you were different, but I am I'm, I do want the best for you. Yep. And, and I think another way to think about that is, because that, again, that's, that's such a tall order, mm-hmm. is um, if someone has done something harmful to me, and it's easier, I think, to to take this on from a, the extreme example. You yeah. know, if someone wounds me, someone hurts a member of my family, and there is an evil done, and maybe maybe it can't be repaired. It's not as simple as you yeah. ding my car and then you repair it. This is something that can't. This yeah. this will be a permanent wound. Yeah. Is I want is as far as possible something good to come out of something mm-hmm. that's evil. And so if you've done this, then, then I, I, I'm willing, I'm wanting, I'm praying for some wholeness and resta- rest- restoration in your mm-hmm. life so that you don't have two wounded people walking around now. There you go. Yep. To do that. And, and we talked yesterday that um, you know, I th- we are both pro-life, mm-hmm. and that pro-life ethic is from conception to natural death. Yeah, correct. So while you and I are both um, um not at all in favor of abortion. Mm -hmm. We're not in favor at all of the death penalty. penalty. Or of, you know, physician-assisted suicide. In any of that, natural death. Because the problem with, for instance, uh, the death penalty as as capital punishment is it's cutting off, Mm -hmm. it's cutting short any opportunity for restoration and wholeness. Mm -hmm. That's not a naive approach. We understand understand the emotions and the complexities. But but, but think about what happens, you know, if someone... Um, if someone is is murders someone and 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 you spend the rest of your life desiring the death of someone else, yeah. you can see spiritually what happens. Yeah. Because desiring their death is not going to bring back the one that you correct. lost, and yeah. so now we we, we are we it's are the cycle of vengeance. Correct. And, We're responding evil. to an evil act mm-hmm. by willing another evil yeah. act to happen, and yeah. and and so that is why. I mean, I I am not at all wanting to to reduce this down to something that's just simple. Just click your heels together three times and say, I forgive, I forgive you. you. That's we Jesus Christ can do that. Yeah. But I I can't do that. I mean it is a process of coming to understand my own my own brokenness, my own need for forgiveness, and then to recognize that I'm allowing these mm-hmm. thoughts and these things to become an obsession in me, mm-hmm. um, to cloud my vision, to have mm-hmm. that darkness overtake me, and then I can't see, I can't live, I can't breathe, yeah. I can't love. Mm-hmm. And um, so we, we've got to always be on guard on that. And it's not easy. No, it's, it's not. not easy. I mean, in, you know, to go to the, the, the what about things, and I'm sure this has happened to both of us, of people who, you know, come to you and say, well, this certain thing happened to me, and it is an egregious example. I mean, it is trauma-inducing. It, I mean, like you said, there's no fixing it. I mean, it's affecting them, and they'll say, am I supposed to forgive them? 
Um, the blunt answer is absolutely. Yeah. The pastoral answer is, you know, yes, but how can you possibly even begin that process? And, you know, it's going to be a process of working your way to that. But the end goal is this um, incredible act of selfless love that, yes, you have hurt me, but I seek the good in you. And I want that evil, that desire to be fixed because I actually I actually love you, even though you've harmed me. And you can't do that. So you can't do that on your own. I can't do that on Correct. my own. So it's, yeah. if, if you're hearing this and you're saying, but I, I don't have that in me. Well, no one does. You're right. Yeah. You don't. Correct. Yeah. That's why our, our proximity and, and connection to Jesus Christ yeah. on the cross, yeah. who suffered um, the, the greatest of, yeah. of wounds and died, still forgave from the cross. And right. so that wound drives us to the cross where we are able to um, identify our pain with that of our Lord's. Yeah. But that's not where that ends. We're able, and we, we've said this countless times in pulpits, writings, this podcast, that once we are in contact with his wounds, then that brings us in contact to his victory mm-hmm. and to new life and to yeah. a resurrected reality. Mm-hmm. And um, it's only from that place. When we come to the cross and we, 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 and I'm a visual thinker. This is, I mean, when we like crawl into him. Yeah. And then we... In the anima Christi, within your wounds, hide me. Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm hidden within him. Then I actually see the world from his eyes. Yeah. And I can then see the world from the perspective of forgiveness. Mm-hmm. From my vantage point, listen, I, you know, I'm like Deion Sanders. I keep receipts. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know, if if you if you if you if you slight me, this is not a holy position. I I know. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, well, all, all of us are that way. Yes, to, to and you have to extent. kind of be on guard. The problem is we don't want to celebrate that. We can recognize mm-hmm. that's how I am. But again, if I'm keeping receipts, then I'm obsessing about all the people's thoughts and what they yep. said. That's and not living. And you're allowing yourself to be the author of vengeance. Correct. And you know, we see in the scriptures, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay evil for evil. And the way he does that will be this final judgment that is out of our hands. Not, our job is to love everyone and seek their restoration. We've all held on too long to something, yeah. all of us. And then I think we have to ask ourselves, again, to, to use a, an overused phrase, but one that is sobering. How's that working out for you? Yeah. I mean, really, I mean, mm-hmm. you've, you've, you've held on to that. Has it changed anything? Mm-hmm. Are you happier? Are you freer? You know, has, has, has anything been restored universally? No. So, um, but I think that we feel, or, or sometimes there's the temptation to think that if I forgive, then I'm not pursuing justice. Yes. And that's that's the misunderstanding mm-hmm. of the nature of divine justice. And that goes back to the forgiveness acquittal thing. Yep. Um, forgiveness is not saying that what you did was actually okay. It's actually the opposite. It's saying what you did was wrong, and I forgive you for it. Um, there is no forgiveness without trespass, without sin, without actual wrongdoing. Um, if they did something that was never wrong in the first place, there's no need to forgive. I mean, how many times have you, know, you told people, oh, there's nothing to forgive, there, it wasn't wrong. Forgiveness is actually recognizing that it is some trespass. It is some crossing of a boundary. It is some wrongdoing. But it's saying that in spite of that, I see you as a child of God, and I want you to be restored and reconciled. And, you know, if you were a kid or if you have kids and, you know, let's take a simple benign example and they throw a baseball through the window and break the window, you may go to your child and, and, and they may express their, their sorrow and you say, I love you. I forgive you. But you're going to cut grass for the next, yep. you know, eight pay weeks to window. pay for the window. I mean, yeah. I, I don't hate you. I'm not. I'm yeah. not obsessing about it. Mm-hmm. it I, I'm. I'm done with it. Right. But there's the a window. draft coming in the window. Yeah. It's got to be and, fixed. And you got to. You got to pay for it. So go cut yeah. grass. And and I think I think that's from the parental perspective mm-hmm. that we understand that we've moved on. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you still got to work for restitution. Yeah. Uh, a, a, a short brief point um, about the gospel before I, mean, just, I... I'll just move on before, you know, like in the confessional, and we need to do a podcast on the confessional yeah. at some point. One of the things that, that, that the, pen, the, the confessor gives to the penitent is when it's possible, right. when it's possible, the penitent needs to, to um, provide restitution. Mm-hmm. Now, they need to do that in a way that doesn't necessarily reveal their sin. Right. So, you know, again, simple example that we can then perhaps you know, universalize to other things is that if I steal $5 from you, yeah. then I need to, in a way, 
slide five dollars back mm-hmm. to make you whole yeah. to well, do if that. your sin is is just constantly being bitter and angry toward a coworker, yep. we might tell them say something nice to them yeah um compliment them you know you don't have to tell them hey i'm thinking evil thoughts about you all the time but you got to start undoing that in internally you know compliment them um seek restoration yeah and one of the ignorant um critiques of the of sacramental confession mm-hmm. is that you can do whatever you want go and the priest will forgive yeah. you no it's not yeah, true no, it's you got to you have to be contrite mm-hmm. you have to earnestly desire amendment of life mm-hmm. and then if possible you need to be willing to to make someone whole right. sometimes if you kill someone you can't make them whole Correct. right you can't you can't if you steal a cow you can't restore a cow right. to use kind of a agrarian sort of maybe a medieval example yeah. to that yeah but um, but I think the point is still there, is that it's not got a jail free. It's a process mm-hmm. that restores both you to God and to your brother and helps make the other person whole as well. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I didn't have time to get into, mostly because Genesis 4 was not our Old Testament reading, but I, I really actually think this is interesting. Um, real quick, the story of Cain and Abel. We know Cain kills Abel, and Cain is is banished. And you know, God basically says, "I will avenge you if anybody touches you." You know, we get that idea of protection, even though he's done something wrong. And God says, "I will avenge you sevenfold. Um, whoever kills Cain will suffer a ven- sevenfold of vengeance." Um, later on, down his genealogy, Lamech shows up, and Lamech decides that that's not good enough. And he, we have this interesting phrase, if Cain is avenged sevenfold, truly Lamech, 77-fold. So we get this seven and 77, um, Lamech, you know, upping the ante. When we flip to our unforgiving servant, it's introed by Peter and Jesus. Peter coming to Jesus saying, how often should I forgive? Seven times? He thinks he's setting the bar kind of high, and Jesus says, 77 times. I mean, it's almost this undoing of, you know, the... The fall of humanity leads to like unbridled vengeance and revenge and bitterness. And Jesus is now undoing that and, and instead giving us unbridled forgiveness or um, mercy in its place. I think that's a really neat scriptural connection that forgiveness like undoes the vengeance and revenge that, that sin puts on us. Um, in a kind of a visual representation of this that you mentioned to me, and I, I you know, mentioned this theme in my sermon. This is a Serbian-German uh, artist, I believe. Still alive, younger than me. There you go. Um, this is his icon of the unforgiving servant, and it's, it's really wonderful because um, it, it makes the point so clearly. If you're watching on YouTube, you will see this. If not, um, his name is Nikola... Uh, Sarek. Sarek, S-A-R-I-C. That's how we're going to pronounce it. That's the North Carolina Nikola with a K, Sarek. If we mispronounce it, apologies, but you can Google Nikola Sarek, Unforgiving Servant, and you'll see what we're talking about. But it shows, you know, two men. Um, On the very far right is the, the debtor of the Unforgiving Servant from the Gospel, and he's sitting with his hands up. The unforgiving servant who has just had his immense debt forgiven. What's he saying? He's saying, forgive me. Forgive me. Yes. Yeah, but he has his his uh, hands on the throat of his own debtor. Um, but at the exact same time, there is this dark hand emerging that is is choking and sucking the, the breath out of his own lungs as well. And it's a it's a wonderful representation that the the more we demand. Um, and withhold forgiveness of other people who have wronged us, what, what's actually happening is sin is also gripping our own life. It's my favorite we, image of yeah, this we, parable. We yeah. try to suck the life out of other people and withhold forgiveness and lord it over them, and at the same time, we ourselves are being suffocated. And it's only when we release the hand of the people who have wronged us and forgive them and kind of grant them you know, reconciliation that sin releases its grip on our life too. Yeah, it's a wonderful representation of being caught in a cycle of revenge and sin. And again, we our apologies to those who listen on Spotify or Apple you podcasts look, or whatever. Up, but but um, you know the the one who had and you, you mentioned ten thousand talents and scholars billions. Have a, scholars have a pretty a pretty general idea. Of what yeah. they, I think it's like four billion dollars, maybe or yeah, or four my, to six. I my mean, my favorite. It's a wage amount, so it depends on what the average exactly. wage is in U.S. But it's billions. So the the what the way that it makes sense in my mind is you know what one hundred denarii, 
100 days worth of Correct. work. 10,000 talents is 200,000 years worth of work. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's... It's a cartoon comparison. Yeah. It, I mean, it, just, it, is, it, is, it is hyperbolic on yeah. purpose. I mean, it, it's insane that a servant could accumulate billions it's a, it's, of debt. It's impossible. I mean, yeah, it's that's impossible. kind of the point. But so the, the one who was forgiven... 10,000 mm-hmm. talents is putting his hands around the neck of the man who's trying to speak and, and, right. and ask for forgiveness. He's, he is choking him so yeah. he can't speak. Yet the demonic hand is not on his throat, but it's around his heart, around yeah. his chest. Yeah. And that is that, that devilish demonic hand mm-hmm. that, that squeezes tighter and tighter and tighter the more we squeeze mm-hmm. the, the necks and the, and the voice that's, that's requesting mercy from yeah. someone else. Yeah. And I think that um, the more we squeeze someone else, the tighter that comes mm-hmm. around us. Yeah. And I, for me, despite all the psychological, theological, biblical things mm-hmm. that, that we can mention about forgiveness, that image resonates with me. Yeah. And I understand it yeah. intuitively and I can feel I yeah. yeah, I can feel that grip on my heart if I still hang on to something. Mm-hmm. Last quote all I've got about forgiveness and then we can move on to Theodore, which is um, kind of continuing this conversation. I think I think one of the objections people always make is, um, well, I'm ready to forgive when they apologize. And that is... Um, Not really what it says in the Bible. Just nowhere it? in yeah, Scripture. Yeah, yeah. And, and Augustine has this great quote where he says, if you're suffering from a bad man's injustice, forgive him lest there be two bad men. And the idea is, you're not waiting on him to apologize. Forgive him. Free yourself up from that grip of sin. I mean, if if they don't want reconciliation, there's... You're, you Did might Jesus not Christ die for us once we asked him to? Exactly. Yeah. He died for us yeah. before we even knew to ask. Yeah. And the practical advice, you know, that Paul gives, as much as it's in your power, live peaceably. Yeah. There, you may not be able to be neighbors with them and love them and everything's happy-go-lucky, but you can forgive them before they even ask. I mean, that is, that's the commandment. Um, you're not waiting around until they make it. I mean, really what, what, what that does is it makes it easier on you because you almost see that like, oh, they're groveling a little bit. You know, they've, they've done some penance. You know, now I have this power position and now I'm ready to forgive you. Yeah, but you know, to forgive before yeah. they even do that, that is the, the, the commandment. I and mean, if, that's the hard part. And if we work it right, we can even tweak it so that I can put a qualitative element on your petition yeah. for yeah. forgiveness. I don't think you really mean it. Yep. And so I'm yep. still withhold my forgiveness yeah. because I think you're just going through the motions. And mm-hmm. you, can, you can perpetuate that as long as you yeah. want to. Um, no, absolutely. You have, we have to begin that process immediately because our, our insistence of hanging on, and I'm, and I'm not making light. Sometimes people do some really horrific things. And I'm not saying you should just simply say, well, God loves you. I love you. I'm moving on. Mm-hmm. But, um, but know, that's what Jesus did. But that's what Jesus did. And and we're not Jesus, yeah, but we're exactly. but we're moving to to live deeper and deeper mm-hmm. into Him. Jesus also had the divine perspective right. of seeing the fulfillment of all things, right. which we see, which as we Paul don't. said, we see in a glass dimly, dimly. and then we'll see face to face. There was a preacher one time um, who said that when someone, if if you are offended. That means that someone doesn't think as highly of you as you think they should. Yeah. He said, that, my friends, is pride. So much of what we hang on to is because we are offended that someone didn't think as high of us as we as thought we, yeah. they should. Yep. And so what we're looking for in justice is for them to acknowledge who we are, mm-hmm. that that shouldn't happen. Yeah. Pay attention to me. Pay attention to me. Well, how dare you do that because of who I am? Mm-hmm. That's I do that all the time. Just, oh, we all on. do it. You know, yeah, absolutely. You know, if you get slighted from a bishop or something else, you know, do you know what I have done? You know how long I've been, you know, it's it's hard and we have yeah. to, we have to, we have to return to the to the public and and the mm-hmm. and the other parable of just beat our chest and say, yep. "Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner." Yeah. Um, which is why that Jesus prayer is so central to Orthodox spirituality, and would be good to be central to our mm-hmm. devotions. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the Living God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Mm-hmm. You need repentance. I mean, just to recap it and put it bluntly, if you want to be forgiven, you have to forgive. I mean, that is what Jesus says. That is how he teaches us to pray. And that's why the Lord's Prayer, we say it all the time, and it's so helpful because it's it's kind of that constant calling back. Um, and to make forgive. Sure you, make sure you're forgiven. To forgive, run to the forgiveness of Jesus Correct. Christ. Yeah, I mean, it's this secular, yep. um, cyclical thing. There we go. 
um, circular cyclical thing where, you know, we, we find forgiveness at the cross that allows us to forgive others. And when we forgive others, that is how we experience the forgiveness. Of Jesus. Believe that I mean. Jesus Christ has actually forgiven you, mm-hmm. completely and, and totally forgiven you wholly yeah. and, and trust in that. Yeah. And then that, that is the process to start to forgive others. Let's, let's quickly move to, to Theodore. Um, I think you make a, a very interesting point about, about his history. Um, he was our saint, our feast day yesterday. Um, and he was, I think, called the first synod in Canterbury ever. I mean, he really organized um, the see of Canterbury, you know, before um, the Anglican Church kind of came into its own, when it was just the English Church as part of the, the worldwide church. But he's got yeah. an interesting... Um, you know, history and relationship with several other saints. Why don't you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so just just in the homily, the homilet yesterday, um, um, he was seventh century, end of the six hundreds. Mm-hmm. And to give some context, in England, Christianity was in England um, to you know maybe the third, fourth century, mm-hmm. and then the Roman the Roman. Romans moved out. It was mm-hmm. just too far on the outskirts. They had bigger fish to fry. So um, Christianity was somewhat dormant right. from 4th yeah. century until until the uh, late 6th century when Augustine came over um, to Canterbury. So about 100 years after that, yeah. Theodore of Tarsus, obviously grew up um, in Tarsus under Persian rule, was appointed the Archbishop of Canterbury. When things were still... Um, developing, yeah, and there was still conflict between, a lot of work to do. between sort of the the Celtic expression of Christianity mm-hmm. in Scotland and Ireland, mm-hmm. and then sort of the Roman influence, because those pockets of Celtic Christianity sort of continued to develop once the Romans pulled out. That's a whole other conversation. But when the point um, is, it was messy. It was messy, and Theodore apparently was a good administrator. Mm-hmm. I liked things to be tidy, and it was his it was his task to bring some uniformity mm-hmm. to to the church and to and to eliminate divisions when possible. What I found interesting in reading about Theodore is how he deposed two bishops who were also on the calendar of saints. He deposed Wilfred in Northumbria, and he deposed uh, Chad, mm-hmm. and um, and. And what's what's what I found interesting, what I found convicting, because I don't, I think I'm, I'm you, you, you and Dwayne McFerrin were teasing me for being petty in the sacristy. That's that's, <laughs> that's, that's that's in my human nature is to be petty. Is that they they he pretty significantly deposed and exiled Wilfred because mm-hmm. they they disagreed about how about how the church should be structured. It was yeah. Wilfred had one big diocese and Theodore wanted to to break it up into mm-hmm. other dioceses. And he thought Chad was not validly consecrated as a bishop. Is that they both, all three of them, reconciled? So there was real disagreement, and probably you have to imagine a lot of personal hurt mm-hmm. by those decisions. Yet the gospel of Jesus Christ prevailed in their hearts that what they what they truly wanted was restoration of all people to God. Mm-hmm. And again, as we've said from that becomes restoration between one another. Yeah. So to to enjoy a broken relationship is not a Christian perspective. Yep. And there are times, but you're right, Paul said, as long as it's up to yeah. you, do what you can. If your neighbor is, you know, turns a jerk, their back on you. You can't control them, but you can control how you respond to them. Um, but the fact that you're always never giving up and working for reconciliation, yeah. keeping that door open, never cutting anyone off—that's yeah—and and, and hoping, hoping, and, and to, I guess, to go back to that icon to release our hands around everyone's throat. Yeah. I think it's a beautiful thing that that these are all three holy men on the church calendar, the universal church calendar. All three of them are, mm-hmm. and um, and they had some serious disagreement. So just because you disagree doesn't mean it's not Christian. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it can be, and how we disagree can certainly you know not be Christian. But they reconcile. I think yeah. I just think that's a beautiful footnote that says yeah. as much as anything else does in his biography. Yeah. I like how. Uh, Close with with this that just came to mind when you said he didn't cut them out. Um, I think this whole conversation has been good practical advice for how Christians should respond to social trends. I mean, the new 
thing that I hear all the time is cut out toxic people in your life. You know, if, and to the point where people will talk about, I don't speak to my parents anymore. They're, they're toxic to me, or I don't speak to this family member or friend or whatever. Um, Christians don't really have that ability. We, you know, we are not called to erect walls and cut out people in our life. Part of the nuance of that is that sometimes there will not be able to be a friendly, amicable relationship. But prayerfully, emotionally, we are always seeking reconciliation with all people, um, no matter what they have done. That is exceptionally hard. That is the call of the Christian life, though. Um, and that's something that every day I try to get a little bit better at. Um, and, it, you know, it begins with an awareness, like we said, of, of your own sin, of Jesus reconciling you with himself. But, um, I mean, that is the task of the Christian life, is to pursue reconciliation with all people. Um, we don't get the luxury of just saying, that relationship's hard, they hurt me, I'm done with it. I'm never going to speak to them again. Um, we should try to the best of our ability to pursue reconciliation. Absolutely. And let's give, let's give the caveat. We're not encouraging people to remain in abusive relationships. No, no, or, no, no, or no. To, I mean, that mean, no. To, to us, that's so obvious. Yeah, yeah. We don't think about it. Correct. But I don't Again, want people to hear. Um, pursue reconciliation does not mean bake cookies with as they, you know, repeatedly as abuse they beat you. you. Yeah, that's not yeah, what that's we're not saying what we're at all. Uh, it just means that that I mean, sometimes you have to remove yourself. Sometimes mm -hmm. you must remove yourself yeah. from situations for your safety and for everything yeah. else. Um, but for the most of the pettiness that we deal with, the majority of it, yeah. I think that's safe to say. Don't cut people off in the sense that you're you're cutting them off from your prayer. Yeah, you're cutting exactly. them off from your desire don't for them. Ever think about them anymore? Doesn't mean you have to always speak to them, mm -hmm. but or hang just, out with them. or hang out with them. But I think when people cut people off, there is the idea that that they don't exist to me. They don't anymore. exist to me. Is that you're dead to me? Yep. And think about. I mean, we say that flippantly, but think about what that what that could mean if we say it enough that we start to actually mean it is that yeah. is that you, you i don't when i see the world you're not in it correct and what does that mean yeah. if i can be very good at looking at the world think this through and not see individuals or groups mm -hmm. or whatever you, you don't you don't exist yeah. that's dangerous yeah and that is the the slippery slope that withholding forgiveness can lead to that is why you know, Jesus is so insistent that forgiveness is such a but it, integral again, part of the Christian it, life. We can't talk forever. This is such a huge topic. But to go back to the previous um, gospel that I preached on yeah. two weeks ago, we dealt, dealt with forgiveness. Is it is it Jesus is saying your 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 goal, your aim should always be reconciliation at every step. So go to them privately. Don't shame them. Yep. Go to them individually. Take two or three witnesses. Go to the church. If that doesn't work. We're not cutting them yeah, off, yeah. but we're saying we we I recognize your desire to no longer be in this Christian mm -hmm. community. So treat them as a gentile, gentile or a tax, tax collector. collector, desiring their salvation, but the relationship has changed. Yeah. So the mechanics, yeah. the practicalities—they're not dead to you. Dead but, to you. But it has changed. You're not eating with them necessarily, or yeah. being in the same community, but you haven't cut them yeah. off. And I, I love how um, that one's in Matthew's gospel because Matthew knows how tax collectors are treated. He was one. Um, he was called by Jesus. And so, you know, he very well can understand that it's, it's as if I'm no longer in this inner circle of Jesus' disciples. I'm on the outside looking in. Um, and that is how, you know, we should respond um, practically when it gets to that point. But, you know, there's never a point in which people are dead to us. So what do we tell people who are struggling? And that's everyone yeah. struggling with forgiveness. I, th I think the first step is you've got to start praying. Um, you've got to start by yourself. And, and not just praying what, what you hope you should be like, praying what you actually feel like. Mm -hmm. If you feel like they're dead to me and I hate them, bring that to the cross and say, you know, Lord Jesus, I hate this person. I want them dead. Help me. I mean, that's the first step is recognizing where you're at. Never lie in your and, prayers. Yeah, I mean, there's no point. No God, point. God knows. But bring that to Jesus Christ. And, and, you know, the first step for you may be a desire to desire to want to change. Um, I mean, it's, it's Augustine's, make me chase, but not yet. I mean, that's the honest prayer mm -hmm. of, let me forgive them, but, but not yet. That may be where you start, um, but you have to start with prayer. And, and until you're willing to actually sit down and pray, nothing's ever going to change. Um, as you begin that process, then 
you know, later on down the road, then there may be some practical advice. Okay, emotionally, I've, I've forgiven them. Um, now it may be time for me to actually try to meet them face to face and seek reconciliation. Um, that may be, you know, step 78. Um, but it may be different for all, for every person. But the first step, I think, is always pray, bring it to the cross, and be honest about where you're at right now. I would also add, if you're struggling to forgive, go make your own confession. There you go. Call to mind yep. your own sins. Yep. Receive that. Start sac- with that repentance. Receive that sacramental grace yourself, mm-hmm. so that when you come in contact with that grace, you're in a position yeah. to offer not the same sacramental grace, yeah. but but your own personal grace to someone else. Um, and then when you do that, also remember at the Holy Eucharist. I, this is why the Holy Eucharist. The longer we live, the deeper we go, becomes so obviously perfect mm-hmm. as a gift He's given to us. What happened immediately after? Um, he gave the chalice. Someone left yeah. to go yeah. betray him. Yeah. What happened hours after he did that? Someone denied, denied him. him. What happened you know, hours after that? He was abused and beaten mm-hmm. and died. So the Holy Eucharist is 100% connected to all the betrayal, denial, mm-hmm. abuse that we will receive. Mm-hmm. And, and when, we, when we bring all of that hurt and anger to to the altar, and we receive the sacrament, that is, again, the sacrament of forgiveness within us. I mean, we, we yep. receive the Holy Eucharist for the forgiveness for the, of sins. Yep. Yep. Um, Given to them for the remission of sins, correct. is what we say at the altar. Yeah. Correct. So yes, make your confession. Come to That's communion. Come to yeah. communion more than once a week, if you can. Yeah. Yeah. Um, almost in a way that they we, we tell, uh, not we, that people in 12-step programs say, yeah. how often should you go to a meeting? How often did you drink? Yep. Did you drink every day? Yeah. Try to go to yeah. a meeting every day. And they'll say it works if you work it, meaning it works if you show up. Yep. Um, come to Mass. If you're struggling with forgiveness, come as often as you can yeah. until until Jesus Christ can can work within you mm-hmm. so that you are open to, to, to forgiving. Yeah. And, I mean, just a, a practical point, if you can't make it to Mass because work or sickness, let us know. I mean, we're happy to come say Mass for you or bring you communion. Yeah. I mean, you know, that is that is why um, we do what we do, is, is to bring people to Jesus Christ. So a good, a good heavy topic, um, a lot of nuances. We tried to cover as many of them as possible. But um, forgiveness is, you know, I closed my sermon with the line, forgiveness is not easy. Forgiveness is necessary. Um, and I think that's a, a good way to approach it. It's never going to be easy for us um, until we are fully sanctified, but it is always going to be necessary for us. Let's close with the Our Father. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Ghost, be with us all evermore. Amen. Amen.